Well, hello there, FC Dallas curious fans, and welcome to Third Degree of the Podcast. Uh, unfortunately, today we're without Peter again. He's a uh, real life is uh, certainly uh, factoring in there. So you've just got uh, myself, Dan, and uh, founder and editor of Third Degree, Buzz Carrick. How are you, Buzz? Good, calling in today from El Paso, Texas, uh, for reals, uh, and that's why Peter's not here, because because of my work tomorrow, we had to change the day we record this, and Peter has a commitment on Wednesdays, so uh, we are recording Wednesday, this is immediately after the San Antonio game against FC Dallas, so we have some thoughts on that, we have thoughts on lots of other stuff, so blame me that Peter's not here, this is my fault, we got lots of stuff to talk about. I honestly didn't realize it was a different day. It's uh, this week's gone a bit quick for me. <laughs> so uh, you're down in El Paso scouting the next uh, Pepe? Uh, I wish. No, working um, uh, the basketball game tomorrow, the UTEP um, Western Kentucky basketball game. Ah, okay. So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, FC Dallas just got off a uh, comeback 3-2 win. Um, well, should we start there or should we start... Uh, in the Philly Austin game. Well, if you if you have some things to bring to the table from the Austin game, go ahead. I really don't. I didn't get to see all of it. Uh, what I did see, it was very typical preseason, three thirty minute periods, cycling out lineups. Uh, definitely the the best results we have is uh, is Nico's uh, write up over on the blog. Uh, there were a couple of things uh, stuck out for me, uh, like. Uh, you know, Sarrio had a bit of a tough time, uh, although he actually mentioned uh, in a quote after the game about playing a little bit higher up than, than the six that he sat in last season. Uh, we actually saw that again tonight, uh, although he, he definitely adapted more to that role. Um, it, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, with uh, Tiago Santos coming at the six, he's, he's, you know, he does have to be a little bit more versatile and find his place in the lineup again. Yeah, Sarrio uh, is not uh, a native six. Um, no, he is a native six, excuse me, and not a native eight. Um, he has played a little bit eight in the academy, but that's, I don't think that's his future. Um, you know, trying him there as a, a little bit of an eight, uh, I sort of get that. Maybe, that. maybe with all these pieces missing, that's something they want to try and do. Um, as a result of that, and he didn't look as great against Austin, but he looked better against San Antonio. As a result of that, we've now seen John Nelson play as a six um, for both in the Austin game and in the San Antonio game. Twice now as a six, um, which is obviously a search to see if John Nelson could be um, Thiago Santos' backup, at least in the short term, and maybe even in the long term. The, the, the outside back to, cent- to central midfield six con- uh, conversion is not that difficult. You see it all the time. Um, it, it, Players, they require some sort, similar sort of uh, raw ability and skill set. So, um, if John Nelson can solve that problem, then FC Dallas will have to go out and get somebody. And but if it, if he doesn't, and, and it seems clear that they don't think Evan Surreal is ready to do that either, um, they may they may feel like they have to go get somebody if it doesn't work out. I thought Nelson looked fine for a young guy trying a new position, so I wouldn't be ready to pull a trigger yet on it. But we'll have to see um, how Lucci reacts to what he's seen from Nelson and what he's seeing from uh, Edwin as an eight. Um, the only thing I would lament about Edwards and eight the last two games, other than if you're trying to figure out if he can do something else for you, is that both of those games were more opportunities I would have thought for Thomas Roberts to work on his ability to be an eight and work on that defensive side because uh, in this current team, he's probably going to have a better chance to get on as an eight than as a 10 type 
Um, not that Lucha uses a 10, but the free eight, you know, whatever that. He, he wanted to be able to use him in both positions. So I would have liked to have seen some investment in Thomas Roberts. But um, I guess uh, from one of the team Twitter accounts, we, we hear that maybe there's a little bit of a physical issue with Thomas Roberts. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah, uh, Michael Ramirez, the, uh, the social media coordinator for the team, um, was was providing some updates and, and mentioned uh, Roberts not necessarily being a hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I I asked Lucci uh, kind of late in the season about the possibility of Roberts moving back to eight. You know, we kind of saw it a little bit with North Texas SC last season in some games, and he just sits in the middle of the park and dictates that he can put he can put a ball on a dime from sixty yards. So. You know, it just kind of seemed like the natural fit. And uh, Lucci's reaction was like, you know, I could virtually hear him scratching his head down the phone, just going, uh, yeah, maybe. You can see that there's that's not something they think is likely. Or if you combine the fact that maybe he's a little banged up, that we saw Tanner Testman play against San Antonio, who is a natural eight, then that probably is indicative both of the lack of bodies in the central midfield right now and where they think of how highly they think of Tanner Testman um, and his situation. Maybe we could talk more about him a little later on. But, um, you know, in the context of missing all these players, they're missing in the midfield. Brian Acosta, Brandon Cervania, both out for like a month. Um, Paxton Pomacall out until who knows when. Um, that's a worry. Thomas Roberts apparently was some kind of knock, too. Uh, so we, we got to figure out some bodies. And, and between Nelson in there and seeing Tanner in there, you can tell how short they are. Definitely, and we'll definitely, uh, you know, get get back to those uh, injuries because we're getting to that point of the preseason where, you know, we're we're looking at next man up to start in the first game in in some places. Uh, you know, but looking at the game tonight, a uh, bit of an interesting one. Uh, first half, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of acting as if uh, as if Rome was burning. You know, what we saw a lot was. Really similar to what we've we've seen in practice and, and what we see in scrimmages, um, Lucci really wants to emphasise building out from the back. So that's why we saw both centre backs, you know, really on the edges of the six yard box with Jesse um, on every goal kick and, and trying trying to really just play every options. Jesse kind of misplaced the pass early on, uh, which. You know, if it wasn't for quick reactions by a defender, uh, San Antonio probably score an early one. Yeah, but it was a lot of a lot of building out, a lot of overlaps. It wasn't. I mean, it, it was it was it was preseason. It was guys getting fit, people trying concepts, getting to know teammates. The result really not that important. Yeah, when you talk about preseason games, um, uh, one thing Oscar used to say is when you're evaluating a game, the, the last thing you look at is the goals. You know, goals. There's so many things that can impact a goal. It's like you evaluate a player for the, doing their job in the context of the team. Um, and in a case of a preseason game, you don't know, we don't know what Lucci's instructions are. For all we know, his instructions were, I want you to build out of the back on the ground and I want this exact sequence and I want you to do it every time, no matter what, you know? So it's like, it's not necessarily the way that they will play when you get to the regular season. They might've been working on something very specific. They might've not been trying to do any transitional play at all. Um, you know, they might've wanted to, in a sense, put themselves under pressure the whole time. You know, so we don't evaluate it on the grand scheme of things. We evaluate players in the context of things. And I think, uh, you know, there was actually a really good example. I can't remember if it was preseason last year, one of those mid-season friendlies. But there was a, a friendly that they played. Ryan Holland's head was running the ball basically to the halfway line and then passing it back. And it looked so out of place. But I spoke to Lucci afterwards, like, 
So I was just like, hey, were you trying to recycle the play there? Because it just looked weird. And he was like, yeah, we wanted to build out. If we got out, go back and build out again. We wanted real pressure from a real opponent. But at the same time, you know, we're still trying to work on concepts here. It, there's no points on the board. So, And i, I got to say, uh, one thing I always remember people saying back home, uh, working in the game was, if you win every preseason game, you're going to have a crap season because nobody learned anything. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you want to, you know, build some uh, momentum and confidence in your players, but, you know, they need a hard learning experience in somewhere. And uh, one of the things uh, Lucci talked about before this game was going down to San Antonio because it has a good atmosphere and it's going to be a good contest. And they got a smack on the nose. They went two down and they fought back like an MLS game. Well, let's talk about some of the things we saw tonight and some of our impressions. I have two. Uh, that are big ones for me. One was, again, I thought Thiago Santos was really good. Uh, you can see his game reading and his ability to turn the ball and advance it and, and all the qualities that you look for in a six. He covers side to side and he's there when the ball gets turned over, he's there to recover. I like all those things. So he, again, was impressive to me and his fitness is coming up. The other thing is, is I actually was reinforced, this game reinforced some concerns I have about the defense. Um, I talked about this about a week and a half ago on my little Patreons, things I do for supporters. And, uh, I'm just I'm just a little bit concerned about the stand patness of the defense in the sense that um, if you look at Ryan Hollingshead, a great player, we, he looked great tonight. Um, what are the chances that he can re- reproduce that amazing season last year? I mean, even if it's even if he has a really good season, is it going to be that good? It's going to be really hard to duplicate it at that level. And then you look at Reto Ziegler, who's 34. He's going to look good tonight, no question. But if you're talking about the length of a long season. At that age and that heat, and is he going to break down or hold up? That's a, that's a important question to ask. Well, you say he looked good, but he uh, he kind of got roasted on that second goal from uh, he Gallagos. He did, but he had a lot of good points too. I mean, th- those are the kind of goals he's always given up. The, the one, that one. You know, he he was. I think he was expecting some pressure, some help pressure from the inside that didn't um, come from Nelson. Nelson was content to sort of leave the channel and not c- compress and push him wide. That would have helped, but. Um, you know, like the free kicks from Reto. Reto looked like Reto. I mean, he looked like he always has looked to me. So, um, but I think tonight you saw what I saw from Brisson this spring was uh, he looks a little stiff to me. He looks not as immobile as he looked last year. Um, I have concerns about that. It's not based on how old he is. Other than just watching him play, he doesn't look as comfortable and as smooth uh, as he has in the past. And I don't know whether he didn't come in fit or did he. Um, overwork himself over the winter. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what to say about it other than I don't like what he looks like. Um, Reggie looked like Reggie, and that's fine. But you know, those, you have Hedges in there, who's mo- usually pretty consistent. But between those five pieces, you're basically returning the exact defense as as the last year now, and uh, that sometimes makes me worry. So I'm a little bit worried about the defense. I'm not. I'm not a lot worried, but there's a couple of games now in the spring where they've given up a couple of goals, and I, I don't love the look of it. But again, you know, we don't know what they're working on. It may be that, you know, they're working on so much build-out that the ball's going to be stuffed down their throat a lot because they're always working on build-out, 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 trying to implement more Lucci ball. So it's not necessarily fair representations of what you're going to get in the regular season. But um, I do have some slight concerns about the defense. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, definitely agree with those. Um, you know, that, that run from Jose Gallagos, that kind of – in between the in between the wide and, and central positions, 
I've seen FC Dallas uh, in preseason, whether it's intra squad scrimmages, ex- um, you know, external scrimmages, or an outright friendly. I've seen that run get through time and time again. That is kind of their problem area, where, like you say, the six either needs to step outside, or or you need to have someone covering back on the outside and, and sort of swinging in, and 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 you could see on that run, you know, Reto's uh, just kind of he's like marshalling him. But he's not trying to push him outside, uh, which is kind of what you'd like to see there a little bit more, and you know, give someone, give someone uh, one of the defenders the space to run into. But uh, it just seems to be too much of a a common occurrence that that specific run. Yeah, and and that filling that gap is a question of help defense, which you know you're going to get exposed on that some uh, getting forward as much as you do in Luchi ball. But also, Ryan Hung said is, is the progress he's made is remarkable, but still sometimes his defensive instincts are not 100% on the money about when to help or not. Um, and then, again, when you're talking about what I see as a little bit of immobility in Brisson and the age of Ziegler, you're talking about two center backs that cannot that have trouble um, you know, with the range that you need to have to get over there and get that gap filled necessarily. Um, and, you know, and part of it, too, is getting to know a new six or – uh, younger sixes who don't know necessarily to cover that gap on the top or cover it from the inside and forcing the defender to go to the wide angle. So it's a work in progress. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not massively concerned, but I have, I have some small concerns in that area. That's one of the areas of concerns I have is that, that particular aspect of the defense. Definitely. And, and one thing, uh, actually we, we sort of touched on, uh, the defense and, and I guess, uh, we sort of missed uh, Nikosi Burgess and all that, the uh, the draft pick. Um, I, I thought he was really impressive against Austin. He uh, didn't seem to put a foot wrong again uh, tonight. Granted, by the time he came in, there wasn't a whole lot uh, going on, on in the uh, defensive third. Uh be interesting to see uh, what Nico comes back with from the 30-minute uh, the scrimmage afterwards, assuming he, he has that in his report. Um, but you know we we're definitely going to see see a lot of him in in North Texas SC, yeah. Um, you know, and and hopefully watch his game grow. Uh, I did I did definitely come away with the impression that his passing game from the things that we saw in those first couple of days has had a monumental rise in quality. Yeah, he he deserves a lot of credit for a remarkably quick improvement. Uh, and this is down to both his coaching and his teammates too, who have not been harsh on him and made him feel welcome. And so he's recovered his confidence and made some big progress really quickly. It makes me really excited for maybe to see where he can go. Uh, and the other side of that coin too is Kyle Montgomery. I thought looked pretty good for San Antonio tonight. He showed some good range of mobility and and size and speed and strength. And, you know, the passing still is the well and weak spot, but that's one reason why we wanted to see an elevation to a USLC level with him. You know, and there is a right of recall in that deal. So if there's a point at which they feel they need him, they can bring him back. And in the meantime, if he's there five games, if he's there ten games, if he's there a whole season, you know, what an opportunity for him to progress this game and hopefully be a uh, maybe he's part of the answer at, at the midpoint of the season or going into next year in terms of solving some of what might be a def- defensive issues going down the stretch. Definitely, uh, I actually thought he was he was probably San Antonio's best player in the first half. Uh, yeah, he yeah, he really good. dealt with everything. He was. Uh, you know, he was definitely uh he was taken no no uh none of Barrios' little uh step overs or anything. He got stuck in a few times. 
you know, I guess it's kind of like when uh, Brack Evans came in last week for Austin. They've got a point to prove, and they're going to do it. Um, yeah, sure. You know, that's that's a powerful thing to to sort of have behind you. To uh, you know, know that you're not, you may not be trying to earn you know, your place in the team right this second, but you know you're impressing your new coach, and uh, you're you're really showing uh, FC Dallas what they're missing this year and what they can expect the year after. For sure, I think you know Montgomery and Nikosi are a little bit older, and Evans is a little bit further down the line, but those three guys probably should be part of the defensive equation for FC Dallas over the next couple of seasons. You would think. You know, it's uh, definitely it's definitely promising. Uh, you know, with, with uh, Reto getting to the uh, the twilight of his career, and uh, you know, uh, Hedges and uh, Brisson really being at, at what should be just entering their peak years. Uh, you know, FC Dallas could be in a good position for a couple of years to come, or at worst case, have uh, some good trade assets. Uh, I guess uh, you know we touched on some injuries and. Um, yeah, I mentioned Hedges. Uh, Hedges didn't travel to, with the team at a, a quad strain that he's uh, been dealing with. I didn't see a, a timeline for him, but I assume it's not going to be a particularly long one. Yeah, they they, they didn't say specifically. I, I was actually surprised he wasn't included again. But uh, you know, when you have a, a five hour bus ride, I think it's how far it is to San Antonio from Dallas. Five hour bus ride each way in a hotel and a game, and you know, maybe it's better just to keep him out. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, you can keep him, um, you know, doing some gym work and, and some rehab, uh, get him in those big oxygen boot things they love so much, and uh, the cryo chamber and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Sylvania as well, um, out with an MCL sprain, yeah, potentially puts him in some uh, trouble for uh, starting the season. I know uh, Steve Davis mentioned on the broadcast against Austin that, you know, he should really be touch and go for the first game, but he's not going to be really preseason, you know, he's not really going to be match fit coming straight into, uh, into training that week. It makes me wonder if he'll get called in for the Olympic team now with the, with this scenario, with this injury, whether that'll yeah. cost him that opportunity. So that's, uh, that's the second week of March, right? So he's... Yeah, the, the call will happen right after the March 7th, 8th, games which is the second week of march so it's it's basically two weeks into the season and those call-ups happen yeah that does seem like it probably put money outside of that um as well uh paxton pomacol um you know another game didn't go with you know we, we keep hearing the same thing that he they hope that he'll be better by the end of the week uh dealing with a scar tissue and that you know it's unfortunately a very much day-to-day thing yeah you know we're, we're getting Two weeks out from the start of the season, he hasn't played a game. It's uh, I know that we've we've spoken, and neither of us really expected him to to factor in starting lineup anyway. But you know, again, he, you know, a player not having a preseason is is a real heavy disadvantage, and really until the summer, it is. It'll take him, you know, a month or more to work himself into uh, fitness, one hundred percent fitness. Um, you know, he's running, but he's not the same as game fitness. Um, he's got to work himself into the team. And the bottom line is he's got to beat out Jesus Ferreira to get on the field at that one particular position. Or he's got to beat out Brian Acosta, Brandon Shemania, who are both hurt right now and out probably a month. Or he has to try and beat out somebody like uh, Pico or Mascara at left wing. So it's like there's no assurance that Paxton's going to walk 
right into the lineup. As talented as we think he is, you still have to do it. You have to produce in training and be healthy and be consistently available. Um, in this particular, this scar tissue situation, I am starting to get a little bit worried about how long it's taking. Usually you want one that once that break loose tissue happens, you know, it takes a little bit of time for you to get over the pain of it, the discomfort of it, as your body like absorbs that tissue back up. Um, if I understand it correctly from talking to players, um, occasionally they actually go in on somebody and clean some of it out a little bit, like with a follow-up. So I don't, I don't know where the, uh, the club is with Paxton. I don't know anything about their plans for him in terms of fixing this problem. Um, but, you know, I think at, at this point, when we're two weeks away from the start of the season, I think you can assume that Paxton will not be, not that we thought he would start the opening day, but it's probably not likely he'll play for the first week or two. And, and that also, for me, that also puts his Olympic call up in question. You know, if he can't play for FC Dallas, why is he going to the Olympics? You know, he already went to the national team, which is a significantly higher level. It's a step up in intensity. It's a step up in the amount of um, effort and work and, and constant motion it takes. And obviously that was where he had his setback. So um, I don't know the club will want to release him when he's, when he, if he hasn't played for the club yet. So why would we release him to the national team, even to the Olympic team, you know, just for some qualifiers, which is going to suck for Paxton, but you know, you got to protect your young player from himself sometimes. Cause you know, Paxton will say he's good. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure he yep. did with the national team. He probably was like, Oh, I'm fine. I can go. Yeah, Lucci, right Lucci actually fine. confirmed that to me. He said that, you know, that uh, when I initially asked him a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, yeah, it was a problem since before the call-up, but the call-up was there so that Paxton could, you know, uh, be in the, the team meetings, absorb the tactical information and, you know, remain part of Greg Berhalter's plans because, you know, we all know if you miss uh, if you miss a camp, that could be uh, that could kind of be curtains as uh, managers kind of have a personal attachment to certain things there. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a pain issue. It's not like a, a an injury as such. Um, so there is the possibility of cortisone shots uh, to get him through a game or to get him through certain things, but obviously those then, they can have a longer-term issue. Uh, likewise, they could go in and clean up scar tissue, but the risk is creating more scar tissue. Yeah, it's not it's not a tough it's, it's not a good situation. It's not a tough situation, and there's there's a point at which, and this may be what's happening, there's a point at which you have to protect the player from himself, and protect the player from the short term in favor of the long term, and it may be time for FC Dallas to say, Paxton, we know that you want to play, we get it, but we're shutting you down, and it may be why we're all we keep hearing is you know he's close, he's close, he's close is they may not want to say we're going to shut him down for a month or two or whatever it's going to take to get him ready because right now he's clearly not ready. Um, yeah, my only experience with scar tissue is uh, after having an operation on my Achilles tendon and it was daily ultrasound and massages and those uh, those ha- vibrating hammery things and you know all kind of things that, that cause you a stupid amount of pain. Uh you know the groin area with the with the uh, the hernia. It's it's not really somewhere that you can get get into too well with extreme heat and and large things that kind of pound you. So uh, you know there's got to be some logistical challenges just with that. <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of thoughts that went through my head. I'm not going to say any of them. 
Oh, go on. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. Uh, you know, it, it's just until we learn more, it's going to be hard to know. But it's definitely um, there's definitely some concern by the club. There's definitely some concern, I think, from us. Um, you know, when you see him running on the practice when I last saw him, which was about before they went to California. So when I last saw him running, he's running grimacing. So there's definitely some discomfort. So, um, you know, I think it's important to remember how young Paxton is and how much of a big future he has and how much the club is paying him because they know what a big future he's going to have. And we shouldn't be in a hurry to just get him right back out there because I think that was part of the problem last year is he needs to get it right and get it cleaned up. And right now, Freya's in there and, and Brian Acosta or, or Cervini will be in there or I guess they're not going to be. And right now, Evan is going to be in there. So it's not necessarily like those guys are, you know, not Paxton, but you know, we'll take it and protect the player and worry about the future. Definitely. And it's, it's always worth emphasizing as well. This isn't uh, something similar to Mauro Diaz where he kind of had, you know, injury after injury after injury. This is this is just a, a regular complication after a surgery. It's just kind of coming up in a bit of an inconvenient manner for him and, and, and hindering me a little bit more where, you know, just with the location of it, like you say, you work in the hip flexor and that, and it's, you've got this, uh, this scar tissue that's rubbing up against, uh, tendons and, and, uh, ligaments. Yeah. Uh, well, we've beaten this to death. Let's move on to the next. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, before we move off of the San Antonio game, I want to put some, uh, comments in on Fafa Pico. I thought he looked pretty good. He showed um, a directness, a verticality, uh, an impact of the game, I think, more than we've seen from Santiago Mascara. I think this might have been the moment where Fafa Pico was putting himself into the opening day lineup over with Mascara. Yeah, this is, this is definitely the stuff that we've seen a bit more in, in practices, uh, just where he's able to get that space away. Um, there was a defensive clearance uh, that he picked up just shy of the halfway line and I mean, if not for if not for a pretty uh, stern challenge uh, by one of the defenders, he's uh, he's got a one on one chance there. We saw a couple of great uh, little give and goes with Hollinshead. You know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see someone who who is I'm not going to say at a higher level than Mascara because Mascara on his day is a phenomenal player, but has the consistency that everyone's wanted to see from Mascara. There's a little bit of a, um, you know, we've been talking for years since Castillo left about a balance to Barrios, uh, style-wise, a matching component. And there's a better fit there from Fa- from Fafa Pico, the, the verticality, the want to get and go. You know, Mascara wants to come inside underneath all the time. Um, it'll be important to watch how the relationships develop between um, Fafa and uh, Hollingshead and, and Cobra and, and even uh, Ferreira or whoever else coming out of midfield. And checking towards towards him, so it's going to be a work in progress with him as well. But um, there were some positive signs there today. I thought I think it's a, as we've said in the spring, we thought he was going to be a good addition that was going to help his team be better. And I think it was clear today, but for everybody else to see what we've been talking about, definitely, absolutely. Like I say, that balance is really important. Um, you know, we know that Barrios's game is he gets to the byline and he he'll smash it across and try and create some chaos, whereas Mascara would cut inside way too early and find himself 30 yards out and just smash it because he has no options. Um, yeah, it's good to see Pico was able to mix it up. He was able to cut inside, but also, you know, he's happy just to get to the byline and, and just try uh, 
and, and just try and play pinball in the box, uh, which uh, which really is is what Lucci was trying to drill into into the wingers. Uh, you know, if if you're not cutting inside early, smash it low, smash it hard, hope it hits the defender, see who gets a rebound, or just let it go in. Well, that's why it's so important for Cobra to be in the box to, or whoever else plays tractor uh, yeah, to be I, in there when those balls come in because you got to spend most of your time in there and knock them in. And that was that was Pepe's goal. Uh, you know, get to the byline, yeah. low ball, throw himself at the ground, and get on the end of it. And that was uh, uh, Cobra's game again, a goal against um, Austin when the ball in from Reggie Cannon from the right side, which he flipped on so nicely. Uh, Cobra did to the back post. So, um, you know, that's the style they're going to be playing uh, when they get forward down those sidelines. Which are nice. Man, I got some uh, some loud motorbikes in El Paso. Oh, did you? I didn't even hear it. My <laughs> <laughs> mic's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, you know, street racing out here in a, in a big EP. Wow. Wow. It's impressive. Well, um, I got my noise-damping headset on, so I didn't hear it. <laughs> you fancy I've got my uh, cheap $7 e- earbuds in. <laughs> uh, so uh, one thing I did want to touch on... Um, North Texas SC started uh, preseason this weekend. Uh, they play their first, sorry, not this weekend, uh, on Monday. Uh, they play their first preseason game against El Paso Locomotive in actually in 10 days' time. Uh, I'm not sure if that's home or away. I didn't see that anywhere. But yeah, um, unfortunately, weather uh, actually kept us both away from, from practice this week. Yeah, the but, weather was pretty poor. Yes, that's putting it mildly. The paint has been stripped off my car. Um, wow. Well, not literally. Thankfully, the, the bird crap has, though. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a really new look uh, North Texas SE this year. Um, you know, the majority of the season is going to be in Arlington. Uh, I think you've, you said it was four returning players. Uh, yeah. Got a bunch of new sign-ins. So, uh, and, you know, we had another one this week as... Uh, uh, Luis Zamudio, uh, a 21-year-old goalkeeper, uh, joins from Club America, where he was the, I think, fifth-choice keeper or something crazy. He was on, he made the bench uh, a couple of times and was a prospect uh, originally from Las Vegas. Part of that, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but Sueño? Sueño, yeah. Mel Sueño, yeah. 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 You know, unfortunately, that uh, that 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 finished a couple of years ago, so uh, no need to know how to say that. But <laughs> uh, you know, it was here was somebody that the LA Galaxy really rated, and uh, it'd be, be kind of interested to see if uh, you know how they treat him as a project alongside of Carlos Aviles. Yeah, I I think the fact that there, there was another um, uh, foreign keeper that popped up with the academy this week too, I think it's pretty clear that. Um, there's some pressure on uh, Avila's to uh, uh, prove something this year. You know, the, between Maurer and, and Zobek both being roughly 30, um, you know, somebody needs to start challenging Zobek for that third spot. So if Avila's is not going to do it, um, they might try to start looking another direction and, and see what's going on. So some pressure on him this year. Keep an eye on that kid and see how much he's playing and see if this uh, Zamito guy takes over the spot. That might be um, a bad sign for Carlos. It kind of looked a bit iffy at the start of last season when all the talk about um, FC that yeah the team's first USL signing is Ricardo Pepe and you're there like no it was it was Avila's last year yeah. and this year yeah. um, two kind years of, ago yeah. he kind of seemed a bit forgotten about and then again um, 
you know, kind of like say uh, with challenging Mara and uh, Zobek, you know, obviously Lucci was sending one or the other down occasionally to 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 stay sharp, um, which you know, which which denied uh, Avila some minutes. So, you know, it, it seems like putting Zobek in the uh, in the USL one final where he was man of the match, he was phenomenal. Um, he was. You know, that still make that kind of makes it seem like. Hey, maybe you haven't earned your stripes enough to play in this final. Yeah, when it came to the big game, they didn't trust him enough. They brought down one of his other guys. You know, that's um, you know, it's not necessarily intended as a shot to the kid, but it tells you where when it did come down to the okay, now this is a game we need to win. They they went with the guy who was the thirty year old veteran, and not they didn't have enough confidence in the in, in uh, Avales. So um, that tells you where he is. I think big picture, uh, you know. And one of the things I think you'll want to keep an eye on this season with North Texas is, uh, okay, now they've won the championship. Now it's time to uh, play David Rodriguez every single game, play these other developing players every single game and not be like, we're trying to win as much as we are. I don't care if it costs us games. We're going to take these young players and play them. You know, so I think you'll keep an eye on that this season and see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, they could win USL League One for the next 10 years, but if there isn't a an academy... Oh, actually, let's, let's forget academy for If there isn't a North Texas 2FC Dallas signing that yes. isn't Ricardo Pepe, because we all know that was going to happen anyway, the team's yeah. a failure. The, the exactly. $5 million plus that they've sunk into it so far is worthless yes. and, and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, now, you know, there there is a point to the business model of selling players to other teams... And loaning players to other teams, but the whole reason it exists is to produce first team MLS players. And if it's not doing that, as you say, then it's a failure. So part of that is forgetting the idea of being in first place the whole season and bringing down all these MLS guys. You'll still get MLS guys that need to get fit. You still get MLS guys recovering from injury, but it's going to be less about that and more about can I? I don't care if I lose some games. I'm playing. Let's say, let's say I decide Nico Carrera is my next guy I want to invest in. I'm playing him every game. Uh, I don't care what it costs me. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the idea. And it's worth saying, you know, some of these uh, the, the foreign guys are bringing in. Uh, Alpha Sony Jat is a perfect example. Uh, you know, we, we heard uh, through the grapevine that his loan deal uh, had an option that was dependent on FC Dallas putting him in, for, uh, you know, in the first team roster. Correct. Uh, if they wanted him permanently, evidently they didn't. Uh, didn't quite work out. You know, those are the sort of things we're going to see, uh, you know, and we've got, you know, a uh, couple of these uh, guys. You've got uh, Juan Alvarez from Monterey. You know, I, I assume there's an option on that. Uh, 23-year-old centre-back who, uh, you know, he just he just hasn't really had the breaks um, yeah. at Monterey. And, and at 23, that's going to be a one-and-done. If he, if it, By the end of the year, if you don't think we're out awesome, then he won't be around past this year. You know, also, that, I mean, it's different if he's 18, you know? Yeah, it's also the nature of the team. The team's not there to keep guys on contracts. The team's right. there to cycle through players and as a staging ground for your next home grounds. Yeah, what's it Lucci says? He says, if we don't think a player could, could progress to help the first team, we're not going to sign him for North Texas. And yeah. the, so then the question is, over the course of the season, if I don't see that progression, Hector Montalvo, then it's over. You know, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, and that's uh, that was actually that was what he said when I asked him about um, Derek Wardak about the possibility of him going to North Texas SC. He was right. giving me the most non most non committal answer ever. Of 
he is a project, but <laughs> here's the cutoff. Yeah, and again, that's one of the problems with these guys that are coming out of college at 22 years of age when you compare them to the opportunity to play an academy kid who's 16, 17 years old and has as much as a, a seven-year, five to seven-year head start and five to seven years of more progression you can put into them before they get to the MLS team. So there's a humongous disadvantage to these guys that play these four years in college and then try and come out and aren't first-team MLS potential, that aren't Nikosi Burgess and they aren't Cal Jennings. These guys that are this next level down, they're just, you know, what's the point of having a 22, 23-year-old in your North Texas team? You know, it's just not what the team exists for. Short of maybe your own academy guys that you have a relationship with, like your Philip Ponder, who you've known since he was 13 or whatever. But again, that's kind of more like the stage and ground for uh, for a homegrown son. If he, you know, he's got a, right. he's got a year or two where he can prove himself, or he's going to be a USL championship, or exactly. find other opportunities. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an extension of that whole uh, FC Dallas Academy, FC Dallas Premier, where Premier is there to to try and point guys at, at, at going to university. You know, in that yes. instance, North Texas SC would be a case of, well, we don't want you for the first team, but we're going to put you in the shop window for your El Pasos and your OKCs and your Tulsas. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's where we've seen Hector Montalvo just pop up with El Paso locomotive. But I have no idea where he is in terms of making that team or not, but we've seen him in training with them. So, um, you know, that if a guy's not going to be moving on to the MLS team, you know, there's a different, there's a difference between a, uh, Breck Evans, who you think still has first team potential, so you're loaning him, and a guy like Hector Montalvo, who you've decided doesn't, and so you let him out to go pursue other opportunities. And I don't know whether he would have asked out or whether the team just told him he was out or whatever. But um, you know, such is life at the North Texas level, where the window is very, very small if you're not 18. Well, he's actually the perfect example because he is a very good player. Um, but you know that time uh, at Tigres it just just robbed him of a lot of his sharpness, and he came back and he just looked off it, and, and you know potentially needed a, a couple of years to kind of get back to that level, and and that is again something that they're just not offering. Yeah, that's not the purpose of North Texas. Yeah. Well, oh, especially speaking of uh, Tigres, that was a that was a great thing uh, with the Mexican superstars package. I wonder if uh, maybe they could rope Montel going to that. <laughs> I don't think El Paso Locomotive is on the FC Dallas schedule for a ticket package. Ah, that's a shame. Uh, although they are playing... Do you playing, want to talk about uh, that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although, uh, actually speaking of El Paso, they are going to play at uh, Texas United in Grand Prairie uh, mm. as part of the preseason. So uh, maybe that will be when they play uh, play North Texas SC around that time and kind of just uh, loop yeah. in a bit of... A bit of every USL league. Well, that would make that would make sense if they're coming here to play Texas United. They might as well play North Texas while they're here. Mm. That would make sense. Definitely, and, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've got to talk about the Mexican superstars. It has been it's trended yeah. everywhere. It's been in the uh, the Spanish language media. It's been on Sports Center. It's been absolutely everywhere. It is it is probably a bigger headline than the Zlatan jerseys on the concourse. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know that people are going to agree with my take on this. Um, let me first say that I 100% agree with this and sympathize with the idea 
that you and we, me and everybody else would like FC Dallas to spend more money. We'd like to have some superstars come here. We'd like to have that happen. I 100% agree that that's a complaint that's worthwhile complaining about. I 100% agree that you don't like, that most people don't like the execution of this promo. But the other side of the coin is that everybody in pro sports all across the United States does this. The Mavericks back in the 80s and 90s did these kind of deals where you could get the superstar package when Jordan was coming to town and when uh, Patrick Ewing was coming to town. And then, and I believe me, I work in sports television. I've been around NBA teams for close to a decade. I'm telling you that this kind of ticket deal happens all over the place. When you're Kobe, you could get your Kobe games when he's coming to town. You could buy a package for Lakers and, and other superstar games. Everybody in sports does this. Unless you're the team that can sell out your home stadium at the start of the season with season tickets. Now, like everything else FC Dallas does, the execution is not great. They've taken what's a basic idea and they've not done a good job with it. We are talking about one tweet and we are talking about one ticket package of many ticket packages they have. So I personally don't think it's a big deal that they've done this package. However, and you and I have talked about this, the execution of it was really bad. The way they should have done it, uh, and I'm not going to steal your thunder because I know you and I have talked about this exact concept, is it would have been better to spin it as perhaps a USA versus Mexico, our young USA stars, Paxton, Jesus, and and Brandon Cervania are going to take on these Mexican superstars. There's a way to have done it that would have been better and more appealing. But again, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to make up new and new and interesting and different ticket packages to try and sell some tickets. FC Dallas has got an attendance problem. If you can sell a few tickets by letting people know that some Mexican superstars are coming here, I don't think it's a problem. So that's my take. Yeah, like you say, the, the execution was uh, was ever thought of and. You know, the problem with that is you've got a marketing department that um, should know better. You're running graphics through several different departments, seeking all the permissions and everything from every, everybody. At, at some point, someone should have said, hey, guys, um, why do we not frame this as, like you say, Paxton against Chicharito, uh, exactly. USA versus Mexico? Yep. You know, that, that's kind of been FC Dallas's problem. And the funny thing is, they had another package they launched on the same day. It was about the U.S. national team. And it, it was kind of weak. It featured, like, Corey Baird for some bizarre reason um, of RSL. And um, it, it wasn't enticing, but that was it. It was it was USA versus USA. It was Paxton versus Baird and whoever yeah, yeah. versus Jesus yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing you want to do. You want to say, you know, you make your superstars by telling people, hey, these guys are superstars. They're going to yeah. play, they, you know, they're going to play some big names that you may have heard of. And, and I'll get to why um, that was kind of a weird thing as well. But it's just basics. Uh, and especially in soccer, where it is a far more territorial sport than than any of the American sports. You, know, you have away fan sections and, and all that fun stuff and just a different a different kind of atmosphere with, with the support of culture. Um, yeah. Yeah. The complaint that the complaint that 
this is the only thing they're doing. That's a fair complaint. If this is their only their only marketing strategy, totally a fair complaint. If your complaint is this is a horrible Latino uh, Mexican market outreach, you already think you ignore them, and this is sort of a pandering to that. If you want to complain about that, you know those are fair complaints. You know, it's again, it's the execution. It's not the core idea of targeted ticket packages. It's the execution of the sales approach that we. That's the bad side that they fumble the ball. And, and that's uh, you know, like you mentioned, it, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like it is a poor outreach to uh, to the Hispanic community. You've had so many players pass through here of uh, Honduran, Salvador, and, and and every other uh, nationality that has a decent population in DFW. Um, you know, as far as as the Spanish language in general, they really the team have really turned their back on. Or the club, I should say, have really turned it back on that market for a very long time. Um, I know there have been a lot of proposals from people who are no longer with the team uh, to create um, Spanish con- Spanish language content, and it got shot down. Uh, the team has uh, lost its uh, Janet Sanchez, who was doing uh, some uh, bilingual stuff uh, in Spanish with subtitles. And uh, they haven't replaced that, which is kind of a weird thing because that is such a huge market. You can see any uh, any time the Mexican national teams in town, they can fill up Jerry World with ease. Uh, yeah. You know, you need to jump on that. And just putting up a, a canopy outside of Jerry World among all the 50,000 other people that are tailgate, and you're not going to stand out in the crowd. You're not going to entice people up to Frisco. Um, yeah, as a basic symptom, it's a shame that uh, at the FC Dallas website doesn't have a English version and a Spanish version. I mean, even the Montreal Impact have a French version and an English version, right? So uh, I think text, Montreal actually have a Spanish version as well. Do they? Have, oh, I there, haven't there's seen a, the Spanish. There's a couple of places. There's a couple of teams that have really made an effort in cities yeah. that don't have a huge uh, Spanish-speaking well, population. Well, Montreal, when you go there, it comes up in French, and the top right corner is a big, huge English button. So you know, it's like, to me. Uh, and I real quickly, I'm gonna check the Dynamo website and see if they have one. I don't see one on Dynamo's website either. So to that's me, actually it, a complaint about the Dynamo as well. Yeah, if you're gonna operate, I mean, particularly with some of their ownership, that's really a complaint. If you're gonna operate a team in Texas, to me, and listen, I don't speak Spanish at all, so you know I can't do it. I'm just saying that if you're gonna market a team and sell a team in Texas, how's how do you not have yeah. a, a, a Spanish button? I bet you the Cowboys have a Spanish button. What do you want to bet? Oh yeah, I mean you can buy uh, you can buy Cowboys flags and stuff from them with the the Cowboys uh, helmet font, and then it it but it says Vaqueros instead. You know what? they Vaqueros are FC. So um, it's got so um. Thank you, many ideas. Yeah, yep, there it is, Spanish button right there yeah. on the right side of the galaxy. Always It's just logic, right? I mean, it, yeah. it just it just makes sense, and and if you're shunning a market that aren't going to come to you, just making an advert that they're not going to see is, isn't really, isn't going to help. Um, yeah. You know, we, we heard it on the, uh, on the Sherlock's game. Sherlock's fans didn't know the game was happening. FC Dallas didn't, didn't market it. Sherlock's had no real reason to market it. So their fans in the area were like, wait, we, we played what? You know who used to have Spanish content? Third degree. Oh, <laughs> we used to back when the, one of our writers, Emeritus Chamo uh, Jones, used to write his articles both in English and Spanish, and we would post them both. You know, I always wondered if it was Camo or Chamo, and now, now I know. Thank you. Chamo, yeah, Chamo Jones. Oh. Uh, Clifton, 
But, yeah. um, you know, and there have been other people that have written in Spanish for us too. So, you know, it's um, obviously since I don't speak Spanish, I don't have the wherewithal and the ability to do that with high frequency. And right now we don't have anybody that does that. But, um, you know, for, for an amateur site like us to have done it, I think says something about where the market, we think the market should be, let alone the actual club. And again, for me, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. It just comes back to the idea of sometimes FC Dallas has solid ideas and then fails the execution. It doesn't get the execution right. You know, like even when we go back to the rebrand, rebrand we all felt the rebrand was necessary, but they didn't kill it with a logo. And I love the hoops. I suggested the hoops. And the blue and red hoops, right? Hoops. You know, it's you know, the blue and red with the white shorts. As well. well, I actually wanted black and red, but blue and red because I didn't want them to change colors. But once Lamar wanted to change colors, blue and red with the white shorts. You know, they went with the candy cane looking red and white. So, again, good idea. Maybe not the greatest execution. It's a, it's a continuing trend with FC Dallas. You know, when they have these good basic ideas sometimes, these good concepts. Like, again, to me, like these ticket packages that appeal to things like Mexican Superstars, not in and of itself a bad idea. It's the execution of it and how you did it and and not spending it about your team as much as the other team and, and not and, – and people thinking it's your whole outreach. And that's, you know, Actually, that's yeah. where it went south. You know, the, the, I think the most FC Dallas thing about it may have been, you know, they could have just stuck with it and doubled down and say, or, or just modified it and say, you know, de- modified it. Yeah, they they, yeah. they 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 deleted it as if it never happened, and that's kind of something that's that's happened in the past as well. You know, like the yeah. the red and white hoops, they doubled down on it for a few years and like, hey, we're the hoops. They were the only team. You know, you knew if you saw an MLS jersey. Yeah, from half a mile away, it was an FC Dallas jersey, and it was like, okay, we're going red on red. We don't like hoops anymore. Please stop yeah. calling us that. Well, that's why I suggested it in the first place was because you can make it the pattern definitive part of your branding, and then you own that branding. And anytime anybody sees it, they know who it is. For me, that's what kit design is about: is that from the top of the stands, I can instantly tell, or on TV, I can instantly tell who's playing because I'm aware of the branding of the team: Manchester United, red jersey, white pants, black socks. You know who that is. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you know, you want to. You want Celtic. to walk past the TV and not yeah. see the score bar to see who's playing. You want that Boca Juniors or Atlas or yeah. or Arsenal. Or, yeah, you know, that, Yeah, anything that that is like you can, you want to create iconography. Yes, exactly. And that was why I suggested hoops. They could have chosen any kind of pattern, whether it be solid color patterns or whether it be your stripes, like Atlantis with the black and white stripes, right? That's the five stripes. That's their whole branding. Mm-hmm. I can knock it, right? Well, like, except for the second shirt. Well, you know, nine. I know, right. But still, it's black and white vertical stripes. You know, yeah. like AC Milan's got the stripes. Inter Milan's got the stripes. You know, it's like those yeah. brandings, Gremio with their blue and blue. You know, it's, you know, different colors of blue, but blue and blue. You know, it just depends on. Sandoria with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, River Plate with their white with the slash, which looks like um, one of the, uh, is that uh, Peru? <laughs> they look like you know, but still, yeah. uh, you know, th- that was the, the point. But well, well, we got way sidetracked on branding, but um, you know, it's again, it's just like it's sometimes the execution is not there with this club, even though sometimes they have good basic ideas. Sometimes it just doesn't come across right. I, I wouldn't and this worry. They fumble badly, and there's also things as bad publicity, right? They got on sports center yeah. with this thing. People were talking about them, so um, uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about getting sidetracked with kit stuff because the last time we <laughs> did that, fifteen hundred people listened. Yeah, I know, right? That was crazy. <laughs> Which I, I think that was a record last week. It, That's, it that was, was impressive, was, yeah. was a record for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Everybody. So thank you. If you enjoyed it, buy a T-shirt and uh, subscribe to Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, any publicity is good publicity. 
um, FC Dallas announced their new radio partner earlier today. We mm, yeah. we knew something was coming. Um, we didn't know exactly what, but they've announced a deal with uh, 105.3 The Fan to do some advertising and have a uh, a paid segment on Thursday afternoons on the KNC Masterpiece. So, uh, yeah. what, what did you make of that? I mean, it's a shame we don't have Peter because right. Peter is the radio yes. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's let's give a little background, and I don't want to speak for Peter, but let's give a little background. Um, myself, I've mentioned a couple of times I work in television. Peter works in radio, so we're familiar with uh, on the big scheme of things how these deals often work. And there's an important distinction to make, and this is where we want to give the kick around some credit because uh, the ticket decided five years ago they wanted a soccer show, and they made a soccer show. They created a soccer show, and they brought Peter and Andy in, and that's a ticket show. You can buy adverts on that show if you like, and FC Dallas has done that as part of their sponsorship occasionally with the ticket. They occasionally have bought uh, time on, bought commercials on the kick around, but the kick around is a ticket produced show that they generated. And that's why there's no specific agenda for them to talk about FC Dallas, although they do to some extent during the season. That show is not about FC Dallas. Um, and some credit goes to those guys for having the only completely original uh, on, you know, station generated soccer show. So they get some love for that. The difference between what FC Dallas is doing is what we call in the business a buy, um, where Dallas is paying or sometimes is sharing costs, depending on how it works with your TV station or your radio station. Most TV deals for FC Dallas in the past have been this kind of buy or barter situation or a shared cost situation, as opposed to, say, the Mavericks, who have a 10-year Whatever, I don't even know what it is. Well, they, 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 they announced this 10-year, $50 million deal where, where Fox is paying them $50 million to do their games. This is not like that. This is a situation where um, for, uh, FC Dallas is buying uh, some time in partnership. They call it a partnership with the station. They're going to have Lucci on there. But it's like those are, that's why they do this is that the team can dictate the content in the sense that you're going to talk about FC Dallas. So this was this what they did do a buy on – ESPN 103. They've now taken that off and they've now moved to 105.3. I I like the, for me, it's a little bit of a step up in the station. I like that. It's a little more local focused than the ESPN is for me. I like that these two guys are soccer fans, not that Peter and Andy are not, but it's again, it's a different animal. And Peter and Andy have had, as they tweeted out today, they've had an open invitation to the rest of Dallas to bring on people every weekend if they want in studio, bring somebody on. And there have been occasions where they've taken them up on that and brought people on, but they don't all the time. Um, but I'm excited for this deal. I think it's actually really good because you're going to get um, Lucci on there with guys who like and follow soccer and will talk soccer with him. That's really positive. Um, by doing a deal like this, hopefully the rest of the station, uh, what you want is you want a partner that will embrace this deal a little bit and promote it and, and talk about it on other shows maybe and say, oh, yeah, that's coming up. So all those things are positive. Um, and I know you know and we've talked about this, that the games will not be on 105.3. The, ga- the games and radio will still be on the FC Dallas website, but um, we'll have to see how invested 105.3 is in it. But more exposure to FC Dallas is good. Being on this station, I think, is good. Being on with guys who like soccer, I think, is good. So I am feel pretty positive about this move. Incremental move, better move. FC Dallas continues to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better in terms of their media and their TV and their radio. So I like the progression. And I think it's overall pretty positive. I, I do like that, um, you know, it's, it's the KNC masterpiece. It's a uh, 1.30 time slot. 
you know, that is currently uh, the highest rated sports show in, in the market, uh, which is uh, kind of a great thing to jump on. Uh, you know, we've seen the fan kind of overtake the ticket in the ratings. How long that lasts, who knows? But, uh, you know, it's definitely riding the crest of a wave at the moment. And like you say, um, you know, uh, Kevin Hagel and Corey Majors, the, the host of the, the KNC Masterpiece, uh, you will definitely see Kevin Hagland out at FC Dallas games with his son. I think Corey Majors goes as well. But, um, you know, the, as the as the stations had a few FC Dallas guests on um, in their previous time slot at 7 p.m. because, you know, no one from the Cowboys and the Mavs and, and the Rangers is going to do an interview at that time. You know, they had Lucian, they had Reggie, they had Paxton, they had uh, Reggie and Paxton taking shots at each other from one week mm-hmm. to the next. And uh, Lucci gave this, like, crazy impromptu coaching clinic as, like, a phone call-in thing. And, um, yeah, it was good to have guys who have, like, a, at least a base level of soccer. They're not – it's not going to be, uh, you know, Peter and Andy or, or Bob Sturm. That would definitely be a dream. But uh, as far as getting, getting FC Dallas talked about on a midweek – uh, primetime radio show, uh, you know, this this may be the best executed time by the FC Dallas have done in, yeah. well, at least the time I've lived here. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I said, you know, it's um, it's not a revolutionary step, but it's an incremental positive step. And, you know, and, and again, you know, from time to time, this club has good ideas and from time they come up with an execution, I think it's pretty positive. And, and it's not as good as if they were, you know, um, 100% getting paid to have a thing, but, you know, it's it's a step in the right direction, and I like it with you. I think it's positive. I think what you're trying to say is even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, <laughs> uh, they, they, like they, they a lot of times have good ideas, and sometimes they, it's, it's, it's like I It's feel getting it past the finish always, line. Yeah, getting it over the line, it's a, pro, it's a mistake, and it doesn't go up. This one, I think they've gotten over the line. I think this is a pretty good one. Yeah, I think it's good as well. I like that it's going to be Lucci. Um, you know, uh, Gina Miller pops on a lot of things, uh, which is great to talk about FC Dallas as a brand. But when it comes to soccer, yeah, you, you know, it's it would be uh, it would be like putting Lucci on one of the shows where the guys don't like soccer, um, and then having Dan Hunt on. Dan has come on so much in terms of how he deals with media stuff, but. He's still very awkward and he is, he's on a very set track. And if you uh, steer away from that track ever so slightly or wobble him off it, he kind of gets flustered. And, yep. you know, it's, 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 uh, it doesn't no. make for particularly, uh, particularly great listening. No, it's good. I, I, I agree with you. Lucci being on there is going to be good. You, know, you can develop a little bit of personality with your coach. And develop a little bit of awareness of your coach in the marketplace. I think that's a good thing. He's also, you know, he's also a lot of fun to talk to. We, you know, we talk to him enough. And when he has gone on the radio, he talks about fashion and and music and you know and and real life things. And it's yeah. you know, it's kind of that show particularly is you know the fan is is very much if you want to hear eight hours of people constantly talking about Dak Prescott, Willie, or won't you get a deal. Um, that that show tends to be the one that gets the license to sway away from it a bit and go into hockey and and some soccer and, and some other stuff. So uh, you know, excellent. It's kind of funny because it's definitely the the one that people either love or hate um, when you look at social <laughs> media. But 
you know, for FC Dallas fans, hey, it's actually you, you, you've got uh, something that isn't just listening to us on repeat where you can hear FC Dallas talked about on a midweek. What a crazy concept. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Anyone listening to this podcast is already a hardcore FC Dallas fan. You know, where FC Dallas needs to make roads is in the casual sports fan and in the even in the non-sports fan community where their brand awareness is, oh, that's a youth team or, oh, well, you mean the burn or you mean the sidekicks? You know, they definitely have some brand building to do. Oh, and if they so. can get onto the major sports station and get even like some recognition by annoyance, like what is this is interrupting my normal thing? Yeah, <laughs> you know? and that's a, and I mean even that could get you brand awareness. And that's the thing, like I, you know, I think uh, Travis Frederick is a great interview. I'm not, I don't like, uh, I don't like the NFL. I I might occasionally watch a Cowboys game, but you know it's just on in the background. But he is a. He is a very real and charismatic person, um, you know, and that, that makes for a good interview. And it kind of, it makes you say, you know, that guy plays for, represents my local team, and I'm going to support that guy. Um, you know, like with Dirk as well. Dirk doesn't, when he did his interviews, he didn't talk about basketball. He talked about anything but, it. you know, having a, yeah. having a more casual setting is going to be going to be a good platform for FC Dallas. Yeah, and it'll be perfect for Lucci to go on there and talk about Mexican superstars coming to town. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they can. Uh, maybe they can ask him to rate the best Lomo Saltado in uh, DFW. Uh, get hit those Peruvian links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it's uh, it's definitely been quite a week uh, with yeah. that. I thought it was going to be a quiet one with the team down in uh, over in uh, California and and down in San Antonio, but uh, yeah, apparently it's never a quiet week when uh, when FC Dallas marketing's involved. Yeah, for sure not. I have one more game topic I want to talk about if we're done with Mexican superstars and radio deals. I'm always done with Mexican superstars and radio deals. I don't know why we got on that in the first place. <laughs> well, they are important things to talk about. All right, my one last thing was the appearance of Tanner Testament tonight because, um, you know, granted there was a bunch of bodies missing, but still he was the guy that they chose to elevate and played in a first team scrimmage, you know, two weeks friendly, two weeks before the season starts. It's kind of a big deal. Um, nothing has really changed in his situation in the sense that Clemson is still on the table, and that's still the way it's going to work, and he's going to play for the 19th and North Texas probably through May, June, July, whatever, um, and then go to Clemson. But uh, the only way that can change uh, is for FC Dallas to come up with a substantial, strong, homegrown offer. The kid's not going to take a North Texas deal. It's basic. The guy can add up math as well as you and I can. He knows what homegrown deals are worth, and he knows what Clemson's worth. He knows what a chance to play football and soccer they're both are worth. And, you know, it's not going to take a North Texas deal is not going to get it done. So um, if you want to see more of those gorgeous 50 yard crossing passes that he whipped out tonight, uh, trademark Tanner Tessman ball, you know, I hope to see it happen. The kids, uh, as we say, grown ass man, trademark Eddie Johnson. So um, I think he's ready for a home run deal. I think he's ready to help the MLS roster. I hope that they can find a way to sign him. But, um, you know, North Texas ain't going to do it. You know, I asked Tanner uh, who was playing in a position during one of the scrimmages, and I thought he was going to steal my lunch money. He's that big. <laughs> he is a big man. What's he, 6'3"? That's amazing for a central midfielder. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing for a young guy that uh, that mobile, too. Um, yeah, and, you know, you've got a pretty similar, um, going back to the, the homegrown thing, you've got a pretty similar thing going on with uh, Nico Carrera, obviously, over in... Uh, in yep. Germany, uh, training with Nuremberg, mm-hmm. potentially going off to, is it Louisville? 
Uh, yeah, Louisville. Okay. Uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, um, but, you know, obviously you want to you want to tie him up. Um, it's kind of funny, you know. I've I've uh, Google alerts set up for FC Dallas stuff, and there are still Mexican national team prospect sites going on about. Hey, he can still reverse his uh, his FIFA change at this point. Please do, please do. You know, can he? That, that allegedly, I don't know. Oh, you get um, your one time switch, yeah, one time switch, right? Well, you yeah. know, between you know all the guys that are in the academy, all make college commitments. Kevin Benny is committed to Portland. Uh, Carrera's committed to Louisville. Uh, Seth Wilson is committed to Clemson. Tanner's committed to Clemson. You know, they all get college commitments. They all have their baseline opportunities. And if you want them to progress to a pro level, you know, you're going to have to compensate them. And in the case of uh, Tanner, you know, when you add in that Clemson football, it makes it even worse. That relationship with Davos, we need it makes it even worse. It's going to be harder to get him. But, um, you know, he's clearly, he was an MVP of the, of the uh, Academy team and, and the playoff MVP of the Academy a year ago when he was younger. And now he's a year older and a year more mature. And there's no question for me that he's ready for, to be a part of the MLS club. Um, you know, some of those other guys I think could use a little bit of North Texas in between, but you know, it, it's, it's a case where, you know, there's five or six guys that need to, that in my opinion, are going to be better served by playing with North Texas. And they're just not taking those deals. They're going to go to college and it's just not going to be as good. Playing for North Texas is far, far, far and away better opportunity as college is structured right now. And I, I hope they can find a way to get it done because otherwise, you know, I mean, college is good. College is fun, but college is not where you're, if you want to be a pro, just look at how far behind the guys coming out of college and being drafted right now are compared to the kids like Jesus Ferreira, who have been in, uh, you know, three years of pro already. That was a really impassioned play. I'm, re- I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with that. <laughs> Thanks. If, are you making fun of me? No, but if, if that wasn't part of the episode, that would be a cold open. Well, maybe you clip a piece out of it. <laughs> you know, you don't want to bury the lead. No, uh, yeah, it's, it is it is definitely the biggest uh, challenge facing FC Dallas over the next few years is, is holding on to these guys. And, you know, you, you particularly hammered the point home about players not not taking that North Texas step and, you know, how to how to get around it, how to get, get home grounds, how to stop them from exploring Europe like uh, like the Gomez's and, and and ensure that the talent that you're investing in is, is the talent that you keep on to. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about it for a couple of weeks now and it remains an issue that um, they've got to figure out how to solve this problem. And now it may take them a couple of years. You may lose a guy to Europe like a, like a Nico or like a, you know, it's it's the, the homegrowns are always going to be the homegrowns and that Tanner should be one. And the guys that are just a skosh below that, that maybe need a little more time. Those four or five dudes that, that need to go to North Texas and are not, you know, and then the guys that are the next tier down, you're who I like, but are just not quite there is Gibran Rayo, Emmanuel Almaguer. Those guys are willing to take those North Texas deals because they feel like they really need that opportunity. Whereas um, the dudes in the middle are thinking, man, I deserve to be a pro and they're going to go chase other opportunities. And that's what's happening. You know, or they're going to say, I'll just go ahead and go to college. And then maybe a year from now, I'll get that pro offer. You know, you you're, take your brand in Sylvania and you read your can and one and done maybe. So, you know, and maybe that's the way that you can get a Tanner is, okay, you can go to Clemson, have that one year of football, have that one year as a starter for Clemson. And then we're going to nab you right back maybe for next year as your homegrown. 
Okay. Um, well, I think that that really wraps it up for this week. It's uh, it's been another uh, stray beyond an hour um, edition of the podcast, and uh, and that's that's even without uh, Peter's dulcet tones kind of guiding us through <laughs> this murky world of FC Dallas and North Texas soccer. Well, you know, it does feel better when he's around, but I think we covered everything we wanted to cover, and um, you and I are getting a little more used to doing it without him. But hopefully, he'll be here most of the time, and because uh, he is a professional contribution to the podcast. Yeah, and that's that's why the uh, the episodes that he edits sound so much better, <laughs> uh, where where we aren't on completely different volumes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one, one last time was I was way too soft last time. Hopefully, this yeah, it was it was a real role reversal there. But um, yeah, th- thank you very much for stopping by and uh, and joining us for another episode of of the podcast. Uh, I think next week it will be number fifty as we uh, as we mm. roll on to the to the start of the twenty twenty season. Yeah, and if you like what we do on the website and the podcast, you can support us at uh, patreon.com slash third degree and throw us a dollar or two or whatever you would like to and whatever you think the the site and the work we do is worth and uh, give us some support. So, so serious question. Uh, obviously, the the flying horse is amazing, but why isn't there a Thomas Roberts whispering T-shirt yet? Thomas, I don't know. That's a good question. We need, I need to figure out how to translate a Thomas Watt Roberts whisper into a uh, a graphic. That's a good question. I do have a T-shirt I'm making uh, to start the season. That is an awesome Lucci quote that I found uh, better than uh, Rondo's uh, that I'll I'll have at the start of the season. It's terrific. But um, that, that's nothing better than Rondo's. Rondos is pretty good, but this quote's pretty good, so I, I don't want to spoil it for everybody. But um, that'll be coming in the next two weeks, and and I'll think about how I make a Thomas Roberts whisper T-shirt. I'll have to figure out how to do that. Oh, I might have to break out first. I have an idea, actually. Now you say it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm interested to see. Uh, so this Lucy quote is it, is it up there with the uh, the next guy that calls soccer board. I'm going to punch him in the face. That kind of thing. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. We'll, we'll wow. see if everyone else agrees with me, but I think it's close to that level. Wow. That is, uh, you know, you, you could go back and even do a, an old Oscar Pereira one that was just the death stare that he did at us occasionally. <laughs> That's when you uh, know what? you've earned his respect or you've really pissed him off. Well, I need to I need to find an artist to draw Oscar-like uh, Che Guevara and do like an Oscar Pereja-style shirt so, that looks like that. That would be clever. So, you know, I did like 60-foot TIFOs of him. Um, pretty good at drawing him. Oh, all right. There you go. There's your assignment. <laughs> and I'm not doing TIFOs anymore, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, actually, speaking of which, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Beer Guardians and El Matador are uh, currently producing uh, the opening day TIFO. It sounds like a really good design. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the supporters groups bring uh, in the coming season. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get excited for the season now that you know, now that we can apply for credentials and all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, hopefully we get some good TIFO this year. I love a good TIFO. I'm not involved with TIFO, but I still enjoy them. I think it's fantastic, and I love the smoke bombs they let happen last year. That's great. I mean, they're they're embracing some of the supportive culture, and that's a great positive stride. Uh, down to uh, I believe Jimmy Smith's been responsible for some of that happening. So credit to him. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's I, I mean, I've been on that side of of the meetings and stuff, and. The supporters groups fight so hard just to get the the smallest things uh, to make the atmosphere better, which in turn is probably the best marketing tool that FC Dallas can have. Uh, yeah, MLS just did one of their uh, 
this is our soccer promos this year and there is the hoops clap which was a generic uh which was an organic thing that started in the beer garden mm. um a few years ago it was you know that featured at the very end it was kind of like that that final impression of of mls fans so that was uh that's definitely a a huge step forward for a, a club that's you know normally mocked for its attendance and uh, and family atmosphere. Well, I think things are slowly getting better around here. I, think I see a little improvements from time to time, and then as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot all the time, but you know, yeah. they they get some things going a little bit in the right direction from time to time. And uh, I feel positive about the progress being towards where we would want it to be. It's still a long way to go. See, we're not bad people. We may call out <laughs> FC Dallas for stupid crap like Mexican superstars, but we'll give them their due as well. Yeah, it's got to walk the balance. Yeah, we're 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 just straight down the middle. Call it as we see it, like all uh, all all uh, good journalisty type people should be. Well, we try and cover the team in the context of the league and the ownership being what it is. You know, we we pipe dreams are nice, but you have to live in the reality of the of the club and the reality of the league and the reality of this club's place in it, you know, and, and know what, what it's going to be like and know how they're going to do business and then deal with it in that context. And then it's perfectly reasonable to be both positive and negative when it's appropriate. Seems like a pretty good place to bring this to a close. Well, in that case, thank you for joining us. I know I already said that earlier on this 49th edition of the podcast. And thank you, Buzz, for uh, your insight as always. You're welcome. Thomas freaking Roberts. <laughs>